the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. Bob Bergman here, broadcasting from my offices in San Jose, California, in the Cambrian Park area of San Jose, if you're familiar with that neighborhood. It's uh, good to be back behind the microphone. Um, I I was, of course, on the air last week, um, but um, I'm hopeful to be able to do my show regularly live for the next several months. Don't have any uh, major obligations coming up that would take me away on a a Friday afternoon. So um, I'm hoping to, uh, as I indicated, be able to do the show um, live for uh, the next several weeks at least. If you'd like to call in today with some kind of a question or uh, or comment of me, you can call 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. I'd be happy to take your question on the air. I do have one question that was actually emailed to my office a couple of days ago. And I will address that question later on in the show today. But if you'd like to call in now, it's 800-516-1220. So, without further ado, I will start the show today. I plan on following my usual format, which is questions and comments from around the state of California. And uh, with that in mind, let's begin. Okay, um, I'm not, okay, I'm not going to go through that one. That's much too complicated and really almost kind of pointless. So let's go with this one here. Here's someone out of San Diego and wants to know if their estate would be subject to probate. And the facts are a person says they're 76 years old. Congratulations. Divorced, have no dependents. Entire estate consists of checking and savings accounts, two IRAs, one brokerage account, uh, totaling about $1.2 million. So congratulations on that. I have some personal property worth about $100,000. I have no real estate, no financial obligations, no debt. I'd like to leave all my assets to my two adult sons to be divided equally. I'd like for them to avoid the hassle of probate. I've read that the only thing I need to do to avoid probate is to designate them as beneficiaries on my five accounts, which they are. I've also read that there will be probate 
if my assets total more than $150,000, which is correct. Well, first of all, let's address that $150,000 number. That number today is $166,250. And actually, what it refers to is if you have assets in your name when you die that would be subject to probate and the total value or aggregate value is more than that 166250 then your estate will have to go through the probate process to be passed on to your heirs. That's whether you have a will or you don't have a will. Having a will is called being uh, dying testate. Having no will is called uh, dying intestate, meaning no testament, no will. In this person's case, I would answer the first part of the question in saying, yes, if you pass away and you've designated beneficiaries, your two sons on your checking account, your savings account, your IRAs, and your brokerage account, assuming they both survive you, then these assets will be passed on to your two sons. However, I would raise the following questions. Do either of your sons have children? If so, if a son predeceased you, would you want that son's share to go to that son's children? If the answer is yes, then just designating that son as a beneficiary on an account, an IRA, checking account, savings account, brokerage account, that's not going to accomplish that goal. Because just putting a beneficiary designation on an account, it's very straightforward, it's simple, but it has no flexibility at all. Um, if, If you died before both of your sons, you will not avoid probate at all for your estate. Because then everything would be paid to people who are no longer alive. If that's the case, instead it would be paid to your estate, which would be your probate estate, and that whole $1.2 million would go through the probate process, presumably to be passed on to your son's children or to other relatives um, that may be related to you at that time if you have no grandchildren or great-grandchildren for that matter. In a situation like this, I would always recommend that even though there's no real estate, Because of the size of the state and because you can't be absolutely certain that you're going to pass away before one or both of your children, these assets, the checking and savings account and the brokerage account, should all be owned by a living trust. That also means that you can designate someone to handle those assets on your behalf. They'd be able to take those assets over While you're alive, if you become incapacitated, they'd be able to take them over quickly with a death certificate after you have died and then distribute them according to the distribution instructions in your trust, which can be much more extensive than just divide it between my sons. There can be additional provisions in a trust that say, what do you do if one or both of your sons has predeceased you? Where does each son's share go? Does it go to the other son? Does it go to that deceased son's child or children? 
or their grandchildren? Does it go to some other relative? Does it go to one or more charities? A living trust is insanely more flexible in terms of the distribution plan than just designating beneficiaries on accounts. That being said, a lot of people do generate beneficiaries on accounts, and uh, everything turns out just fine because the person with the accounts happened to die in the correct order before their beneficiaries. But having been in practice now for just over 40 years doing estate planning, I can tell you that the, quote, ideal situation doesn't always happen. I have clients who have lost children that have died and the client's still alive. I have clients who have lost a spouse at a young age, like 35 or 40 years of age, and now they're sorting out how to handle things for themselves and their minor children. And they want to make sure, okay, uh, how can I make sure that my children are taken care of? Well, we do estate planning for that reason. We do trust for that reason. You might also want to make sure with a trust that you leave assets to your child or children in a way that can have those assets protected for them, uh, protected from uh, from creditors that may come against them in their lifetime, divorcing spouses and uh, malpractice claims, or if they're in a profession that uh, that uh, they could be sued if they make a mistake. All of those kinds of things figure into estate planning. So I generally don't recommend that people use beneficiary designations as the way to pass on their property. Now, as we come up to the first break of the show today, um, when we come back, I'm going to continue with more Plan Your Estate Radio questions and comments. You can always call in 800-516-1220. But until then, I will talk with you after this first break. This is Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your Estate Radio. Talk with you after the break. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. I just wanted to share with you all out there that this past Sunday afternoon, I went to Kaiser in San Jose. That's the one in South San Jose, very close to my home down there. I live down that way. And uh, got my first dose of the Moderna uh, COVID vaccine. It was uh, pretty non-eventful. I will say for a couple of days, my uh, my upper arm, my left upper arm where I got the shot was pretty darn sore um, and uh, kind of achy. Uh, but then after a couple of days, that, uh, that subsided and went away and um, in the first week of April, I'm scheduled to go back in and have them shoot me up with number two um, in an abundance of caution and based on how uh, others have reacted, including a family member who got sick for about oh, about 24 hours after the second shot. Um, I've blocked off a couple of days on my um, office schedule uh, so that if I do get kind of sick, from my immune system reacting to the second shot that uh, I won't be trying to juggle appointments with anyone during that time. And uh, if it turns out I don't get sick, which would be great, 
then that means I can always come into my office and get work done. And there's always work to get done when you're a busy estate planning attorney, such as I am. Now, uh, just to kind of address that, um, I am actively taking on new clients at this time. Um, I am roughly able to handle um, a couple new client matters a week uh, without uh, strain on my normal workflow. Um, I do have um, space available, if you will, uh, here in March for at least two or three new clients coming in. Uh, although I do have uh, a, a regular number coming in from various directions, both from referrals and people who find me on Google. And uh, someone recently, a couple found me on Nextdoor in uh, the Los Altos area. Apparently, I, I have a, a client up there that liked the work I did for them. And when someone asked there on Nextdoor, does anybody know an estate planning attorney? Uh, this client of mine responded and said, uh, yeah, use Bob Bergman down in San Jose. Uh, you know, he did a great job for me or great job for us, and he's the one to go to. So this couple actually booked a consultation with me based on a recommendation from Nextdoor. And I can tell you, I use Nextdoor all the time for recommendations for things like painters and electricians and plumbers and yard services and uh, tutors. Uh, I got a tutor for one of my children uh, through Nextdoor. So I recommend it. I mean, the one nice thing about Nextdoor is you get feedback from people who have generally already used that person uh, to assist them. And uh, it's becoming similar to a Yelp or a Google or Facebook or, in the case of the legal profession, AVO, A-V-V-O. Um, so uh, if you're interested in setting up a consultation to meet with me for estate planning or to consult on administration of a trust after the owner of the trust has died and you want to know because you're the successor trustee, what do I do next? Um, or if you have a situation like I've described before where there is property that's outside of the trust that should have been in the trust and now the person's died and it's too late for them to transfer that and you happen to be uh, a resident of Contra Costa, San Mateo, or Santa Clara County and you're the trustee, uh, you can contact me about that because I can assist with that, uh, going to court if necessary uh, to get those loose assets into the trust. Uh, you can always email me at rpb at lawbob, L-A-W-B-O-B dot com, or give my office a call at 408 247 0444. Operators are standing by. Um, just kidding. Um, I'm my operator, and uh, either I'll pick up the call and talk with you, or you can leave a message and I'll get back to you as quickly as possible. I try to respond to emails and phone calls, uh, typically within one or two hours. Uh, and that's even if it's over the weekend, uh, Saturday or Sunday, if you leave a message or you contact me my email, I try to get back within one or two hours. Not always successful, but that's what I aim for and that's what I try to do for my clients and prospective clients.
Okay, here's a question out of Downey, California. And a person saying, my mom is 76 years of age and recently diagnosed with Alzheimer's. I always hate to hear that. That's that's a horrible, horrible disease. And and it's something that uh, my father was uh, starting to suffer from some pretty serious dementia at the end of his life. Perhaps Alzheimer's, we never had a diagnosis, but it can be devastating for the person and for the family as well. This person saying, I'm her only child and listed as the sole beneficiary in her living trust and in her advanced health care directive. However, a few years back, mom married a man 20 years younger than her. She did get a prenuptial agreement with him that only mentions keeping their assets separate. Now, a prenuptial agreement, for those of you who don't know, that's an agreement between two parties that they sign before they actually get married, where they agree ahead of time how their property is going to be handled in the marriage, and maybe also if the marriage ends in a dissolution or divorce. So this person, this person's asking, is mom's living trust still valid? Do I still get to be her agent as it states in her advance medical directive, or does her new husband automatically get that authority? Well, that's two separate questions. So let's talk about the advanced medical directive authority first. Uh, yes, unless that was replaced by a new advanced health care directive, that means the child is still mom's agent, even though mom is now married. Uh, that doesn't change. In reference to the trust, the trust is still valid. In fact, the prenuptial agreement may very well make it explicit that that trust is still valid. And uh, the only issue that could come up in reference to mom's estate is her new spouse may have some kind of claims, some kind of spousal claims for a, a spousal allowance of some kind to provide monies to care for him if he does not have any independent monies of his own. That's something that would be taken up through the probate court if that, uh, if that in fact, would apply. There's very specific reasons why it might apply. But in general, um, the trust is still going to be valid and mom's, uh, mom's property will be distributed to the only child. And that's uh, without seeing the prenup, it's hard to tell uh, whether that's explicitly the case, but it's likely the case. So coming up on the second break of our show today, when I come back, I'll continue with more questions and comments. This is attorney Bob Bergman. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back. I am going to um, continue with more questions and comments. I, I'm trying to locate that question that came through my email, and um, it's it seems to be kind of uh, eluding me right now. Uh, hopefully, I'll find it before the end of the show today. It uh, I, I didn't uh, look at it really, really carefully when it came through, but um, it looked like it might be of some interest. So if I'm able to locate it, I will certainly put it out on the air. 
I think that someone actually out there is waiting for me to comment on that question. So uh, hopefully I'll be able to locate it and uh, kind of go from there. But in the meantime, I'll continue with more questions and comments from around the state of California. Um, all right, so this one here, I'm not really sure what the person's asking there. Okay, um, mom was married to a great guy for 16 years. He verbally told me he wanted to leave me 5% of his considerable estate, naming me residual beneficiary. His sons from a previous marriage sued and had my mom removed as co-trustee of my stepfather's trust. Um, uh, let's see. My mom has dementia and um, says the sons have no attention of honoring their father's original trust when it comes to me. All right, well, here's the deal. The trust says what the trust says. If it says that, uh, that your stepfather's property goes to his children, it goes to his children. Uh, a verbal, uh, verbally being told by your stepfather he wanted to leave you 5% of his estate, that's not going to work. Um, there, there's, uh, there's an old saying in the law that an oral or verbal agreement is worth the paper it's written on. Um, parse that for a moment. I'll give you an opportunity there to think about that one. Basically, what that means is just what it says. Um, a verbal agreement or a verbal promise is not going to be sufficient to uh, have any kind of a claim against any of your stepfather's estate. If he really wanted to do that for this stepchild, then the stepfather needed to update his estate plan and reflect 5% goes to my stepchild, uh, the child of my spouse, um, something to that effect. So it's a cautionary tale. Um, and, and right there, uh, if somebody expresses an intention to do something with their estate plan, that is not going to be sufficient for that to come to pass. Action needs to be taken. Um, I have situations where I've come to in my practice where people have not taken action um, at the time to make changes to their estate plan, whether it's to add someone in, take someone out, adjust the assets that are being left to various beneficiaries or their percentages of the estate. And the bottom line is, if that is not done, then it doesn't come to pass. That's pretty much how that works. Um, so, so that's um, that, that's kind of the short answer to that right there. Okay, so here, let's see the next one here. Let me flip through here. Okay, can I make a will? A legal will without an attorney. I only have some cash and personal belongings. Um, I have a friend who will take care of my will and I want to leave everything to him. Uh, can he be the one who will be responsible to 
climate mean? I'm not even sure what that means. I've never, I don't know what the person's trying to say there. But yes, uh, you can make a simple will. There's a will form available. Uh, you can get it at the State Bar of California website. Download it. It's called the Statutory Will. A simple will that says who you want to be in charge of your estate and who you want to leave your property to. Um, and you don't need an attorney for that. If you just have some cash and some simple belongings, that might be all that you need to do. But uh, I will say that um, I'm not giving legal advice right there. I'm just saying, yes, it is possible to do that. Okay, so here, my mother passed away in January from COVID. Wow. That's so sad to hear that. Um, They have a fully funded irrevocable trust. Currently, we are waiting for death certificates. Six to eight more weeks. I don't know why it's taking so long for that. They should already have those. My sister's co-trustees are making my family pay $3,000 a month rent starting March in a home that we've lived in for 26 or more years. I paid rent to my father. The house is to be distributed to me outright and free of trust. Due to the lack of death certificates, my sisters have no power or money to manage the assets of the trust. Can they have an estate sale without a death certificate? I assume by that the person's asking, can they sell personal property of the parent's estate without a death certificate? An answer to that, yes. Uh, the personal property is is likely part of the, the, the trust. I assume by a fully funded irrevocable trust, they mean that the trust is irrevocable now because the parents passed away. Don't know why it would be taking so long for death certificates, but uh, I personally don't think it's appropriate to have um, have a beneficiary of the trust be paying rent to the trust for a property that the trust indicates is to be distributed outright to that beneficiary. Um, so if that kind of if that kind of answers that question uh, legally, perhaps, but uh, but then the question becomes, um, uh, what 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 would be the point? Why can't they just distribute uh, the property to this person, unless they can't do it because they don't have any death certificates to use to clear the title of the property, of uh, the parents' names off of the title of that real estate so that they could transfer it out of the trust. That's likely what's going on here. Um, Not sure why the death certificates were not requested from a funeral home when the parents died in January. They they should have had those weeks ago. So uh, it sounds like whoever was in charge of that, maybe the sisters, sounds like they kind of slipped up and really didn't follow through on their obligations to handle things for the parents after the parents died. Okay. Um, I'm refinancing my home that's in a revocable trust. I'm both the trustee 
and the settlor or trustor, the person who created the trust. Upon my death, my assets will be divided equally between my two sons. The refinance company is asking me to fill out a certificate of trust form with multiple questions. One of the questions I can't answer is number seven. Title to trust assets is to be taken as follows. Are they referring to my sons and the percentages they are to receive after my death? Answer, not at all. They're referring to what should the title to the property be when the refinance is done. In this case, it would be if your name is John Smith and you have the John Smith Revocable Trust, title would be taken as John Smith, trustee of the John Smith Revocable Trust, dated whatever the date is uh, that you signed the trust originally. Um, They're not asking that question about who the ultimate beneficiaries are, which would be the two sons. They're asking who is going to be on the title right now as the record owner of the property, the trustee of the trust. And the certificate of trust or certification of trust is a summary of information about the trust that a financial institution, including a lender, would need to know in order to deal properly with the trustee or trustees in charge of the trust. So that's what the purpose of that certification of trust is. And that's why you would need to sign that and fill it out in that way. Okay. Question. My brother and I are co-trustees on our mother's trust. Since her death, my brother and our attorney went to all the banks and put his name on all the accounts as co-trustee, but left my name off. They told me I was on the accounts, but when I called the banks to check account status, I was denied because, according to the banks, I'm not on the accounts. I suspect my brother is not giving me full accounting details, and I want to review all the accounts, but the bank won't give me access. I live out of state, so how do I prove to the banks I'm a co-trustee? Well, I would start first by sending the banks a copy of the trust, um, which shows that you're named as a co-trustee. I'd also get back to your brother and his attorney and say, what's the deal here? I'm a co-trustee. I'm supposed to be on all these accounts. And uh, barring satisfaction with that, um, you might very well actually have to uh, go to court to have the brother removed as uh, a trustee at all because of the way he's behaving. So uh, we'll get back to you after the third and final break of the show today. This is Attorney Bob Bergman, and we'll talk with you after this final break. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with Attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. Well, we're in the final segment of our show today, and uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope it's been informative and you've learned a few things. Um, I would also want to let you know that if someone does want to get one call in today, 800-516-1220, if someone calls in in the next minute or so, we'll be able to take that call. Otherwise, I will finish out the show today with um, more questions and comments from around this great state of California. Um, 
Also, parenthetically, I want to say that I was happy to see uh, news that Disneyland and Disney California Adventure uh, may be opening by the end of April. That got my wife and my children very, very excited. Uh, We were annual pass holders that lost our annual pass and uh, were very excited at the prospect of being able to go down for a couple of days and and actually go in there. We've really missed Disneyland and California Adventure. I'm sure many of you out there feel the same way. And um, and uh, I can tell you that um, we will be um, very, very appreciative to be able to go back there and, and spend time seeing the cast members and going on some of the rides. Um, I, I know that Disneyland will do everything in its power to have it be as safe as possible for the guests there. I know that um, Walt Disney World has been open since July of last year, and uh, they've done an excellent job. Uh, They don't have any uh, outbreaks of COVID that have been traced back to any of their parks there in Walt Disney World, and that's after several months of operation. Uh, I think they're, they're doing an outstanding job, and and they should be applauded, and I'm grateful that they're going to be able to reopen again. Um, so uh, uh, hopefully, uh, maybe I'll see some of you down there um, in a couple of months or so. So moving on to the final questions and comments today. Um, person said, my mother passed, did not have a last will that I know of. She created a living will and a power of attorney designation for finances and medical decisions. Uh, now, a living will is what's called a directed to physicians, and it has nothing to do with property. It has everything to do with someone being able to make, um, uh, or a doctor being able to make the decision to take you off of life support. That's what a living will is all about. Uh, what the person will have to do is, if mom had sufficient property, uh, either real estate or had at least $166,250 worth of property uh, in her name or payable to her estate, they'll have to go through the probate process to get that property passed on to whomever is entitled to receive it. Okay, here. Um, my mother died a few years back and set up a special needs trust for my sister, who's schizophrenic, and uh, named my stepdad as uh, the person in charge of that trust. My sister's on medication, able to live a stable life, but cannot take care of herself independently and needs constant parenting. So she lives with him, and he provides her food, shelter, clothes, and everything else a parent would. She's not considered a danger or threat to anyone since she's fine while on her medication, I'm wondering, is my stepfather able to use any of her monies as uh, as her conservator in charge of her for either of their basic needs, food, mortgage, clothes, car payments, etc.? So that first question is, if in fact it's a special needs trust, it's actually probably a supplemental needs trust, um, monies can be used for any of the needs of the sister that are not taken care of by some government program, whether it's an income program or something like Medi-Cal for health insurance. 
Uh, so, yes, the stepfather legally could use money from from the uh, Supplemental Needs Trust to pay for food, for clothes for the sister, um, but could not use the money to pay himself for his food, the mortgage on his house, uh, his clothes, his car payments, things like that. Um, now, he might be able to pay himself as the trustee of the trust, but that would be uh, really a decision for him to make. It sounds like he's not doing that anyway if he's paying for everything for his stepdaughter. Uh, then the question also is, uh, when my sister passes on, will this trust be passed on to the current conservator or her next of kin, such as a sibling? The answer to that question is actually pretty straightforward. It's whatever the trust says. Uh, so there's no answer of just, uh, well, it automatically goes to somebody. It goes to whomever the trust indicates it's to pass to when the sister passes away. That's pretty much uh, how that works. So we're coming up on the end of the show today. I want to encourage all of you out there, um, if you have not done your planning now, now's really the time to consider doing that. Um, there, uh, There's really no time like the present. Having uh, seen what's happened to uh, people that have not done the planning in a timely fashion and what their families have to go through, um, I would suggest now's the time to do it. Give me a call at 408-247-0444 or email me at rpb at lawbob.com. You could also go to lawbob.com and book a consultation right through my website. So until next week, this is Attorney Bob Bergman. Um, talk with you again next Friday. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved.